You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. Let's get rolling. But yeah, you guys typically just all over the board with running? I mean, just everything running? Yeah, anything. I mean, gamut. We uh, we we originated as OCR athletes, like Spartan, Tough Mudder type. Not even Tough Mudder so much, but uh, then brought into trails, ultras. We both coach ultra athletes um, as well, and then uh, road as well. So we, I would say, OCR and trail mostly. Um, ultra has been a heavy emphasis lately, and then uh, we cover the gamut. We try to treat the road runners somewhat well when we can, but our hearts are sort of with OCR and trail. Yeah, and we put out two a week. Tuesdays are our training episode. We just choose a topic, threshold, long run, whatever, and we just explore that. Short form, technical, and then our weekend long run episode is bring on someone with some affiliation to the running industry, get their backstory, what they're doing, what they can impart to the audience. So Super cool. This is free form. Probably our audience is less athletic being the running world, so we probably need to give a little background on on who you are and why your transition to ultra is a little atypical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I've, I, yeah, that's cool. I've, I've done it all too. I did a, um, one, a, an ultra beast Spartan as well. So, Oh, you did. We're going to have to ask about yeah. that. This is, I want to start with this. We're not going to do a formal introduction, whatever. We're going to just roll this thing in where it makes sense. But, um, I think the audience is going to learn a lot about you by you just telling them what you've been up to so far today, since your alarm went off. Why don't, you t- why don't you tell the folks what you've been up to? It's it's 11.30 Central. It must be, what, 10.30 your time or even 9.30 a.m. your time? Yeah, 9, 9, 9.48 right now. And I just happen to be in the midst of a daily hustle 22-day challenge that uh, basically we created this challenge, fun little sort of thing. Uh, raise a little bit of money for the, let them play foundation and uh, take a group of, I, I don't even know what you would call them. Like uh, we, we have a big email list that I'll send a blog out to each morning and we like to call it life optimization. And then every morning, 8 a.m. Pacific time, I go on no filter network and do this podcast, uh, call it podcast stream, uh, more of a stream than a podcast, I guess you could say. It's all, you know, how you want to look at it, but then I'll go on there and, and with my buddy Kowalski, sort of my partner in crime and you know, run this thing out. Uh, but it's this cool community that I'd say we've somewhat, you know, built up over the years and we decided, Hey, look, every year we started last year, we're going to do this 22 day challenge. And we start the challenge February 1st, as opposed to January 1st, because Everyone has their January 1st New Year's resolutions and 80% of those resolutions go to shit by the time it's like the third week in January. So it's like, let's concede that part, right? When everyone has these, oh, hey, you know, we're all going to be sober, exercising, you know, beautiful people of the world that are going to, you know, change lives and this and that. And so once we get past all that, then it's like, okay, you guys ready to get to work. And that is how we came up with the February 1st, 22 day challenge. And the number one thing uh, that we do is we pick a certain set of mileage that you're going to do each day. Now, I don't, because obviously the audience is very um, widespread. 
I would say, you know, for some people, it's like, hey, look, if you want to go a certain amount of time, whatever it is, but push, it's got to be up from what you normally have done. So if you're running five miles a day, let's make it seven miles a day. If you're running 10 miles a day, let's make it 15 miles a day. And it's up to you. You want to choose. So I happen to figure since, you know, we created this thing that 22 miles a day was the appropriate number uh, for me personally, which now has then made it difficult trying to run a business and you know being a dad and three kids and everything else to knock out those 22 miles through the course of the day so it's pretty scattered um i got up at 2 30 this morning uh you to set up wake up time is actually at five is is part of the daily hustle challenge too so set a number it's been proven that if we get up the same time every single day that we will have more sustainable energy through the course of the day even if it's you're going to bed at midnight one in the morning if five is your normal wake up time, get up at five. Don't even think about it. It's it's clockwork. So been doing that. Now that said, this morning was a little bit earlier. And then there's a couple other things we added on, which was the, the foot reflexology board, which is this thing right here uh, <laughs> that would just happen to sell. So it, I, <laughs> conveniently located, but the shit works. It, I mean, it really does. Like it's, it's amazing. They used to make them at Express Spa and they stopped making them. It's the only reason why I got into the foot reflexology uh, board business. And then that's part of that's part of the uh, the everyday challenge, and then three gratitudes. So, because of all that, and this super long winded answer, and I'm sorry. Uh, well, well, I guess right away, why at two thirty? That's that's pretty early. Some would call that yesterday. Still, and 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 that's a good point. Uh, two thirty, my mind was buzzing, hmm. and so a little trick of the trade. So if you get up in the middle of the night, which we all have, and ten things going through my mind, boom, I don't necessarily recommend sleeping with the phone by the bed, but if you do, you know, silence, everything else, clear the mind, clear it. If you have 10 things on it, you put it down in notes and then you go back to bed immediately right away. Mm. I, I show you my, I do everything on notes, all my writing on notes. And with, you know, I'm sending out uh, the daily blog. And I guess the best way to describe what the daily hustle is, is typically something that happened either in my life or something that I read about or, you know, something that I think we all can learn from it. They all have an underlying message. Uh, and then the podcast is about coming on, you know, it's evolved. Now we do like news on the two scores on the four scoops on the sevens, weather on the nines, just fucking around. <laughs> but, but we do hit a lot of that stuff when we do local. it's cause it's live and interactive. We'll do localized weather reports uh, for about 20, 25 people at least who, who ask in the chat, for us to hit their city and um we go we go over all this fun stuff i mean minnesota Kirk, you guys a couple weeks ago holy shit balls man like that is next level cold man it was terrible crazy how do you know were you just checked in on the weather for some uh viewer and realized that yep. we live here on in a frozen hell so so gene in duluth is always on the program every morning and it's insane. Like we were going, what, like minus five, minus ten, wind chill factors, minus fifty, was uh, was it was a couple weeks ago. So, anyhow, so we do that. We talk about the life optimization stuff, and um, you know, really, it's just I think we're all. I, I I'm sure a lot of what you guys do is just we're educating, right? And we're not only, I say, trying to educate anyone who might be, you know. Take, take their valuable time to, to listen to what we have to say. But I think also in the process, what, what, what's great and what, what I really like about you know, No Filter Network is that 
the, your your audience can become part of the conversation, not only through the chat, but also through the fact that they, there's a knock button, they can come on the screen and 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 ask whatever questions they have. Uh, you know, I, I've learned a long time ago that people don't like being talked to. It's life's a lot better when you know we're all a part of this thing, and and I think we all get a lot more out of it than say if I were to sit here and just keep spewing from my mouth like I am now for an hour. <laughs> You advocate every morning, get up at five. Today you broke that. You got up at 2.30. You plugged your notes in your notes. It didn't take, so you took off and ran? Uh, put, put, no, put it in. Uh, I, was, I was fine. I, I laid in bed, daily calm meditation. Uh, Doze back off, back up at five, uh, down to the treadmill until it, it gets light out. Uh, then it's, and it's not necessarily warm out here. I'm, I'm up in Lake Tahoe, but as soon as the sun comes up, it was actually a balmy 25 degrees this morning, which is not bad weather. That's not bad running weather at all. So uh, went out for a handful of miles. You know, typically I'll get in like eight before I do. I'll come in and do the Daily Hustle uh, podcast or stream on No Filter at, at eight o'clock, go from eight to nine. And then from there, uh, you know, go back out side and start knocking those miles out so yeah it's it's you know everyone's got their own little routine the one thing that i've learned is that you know so long as we have something and so long as we keep moving it's the same thing i encourage my kids and my family and friends to do it's just it's just do something and it doesn't matter what it is i don't even care if it's running but you, you know what that does for us physically uh is great but more importantly it's psychologically and the state that it puts us in to be able to uh, focus throughout the day uh, it's it's everything so this is a bit strange for me eric because um as, as we chatted a little bit before my entire life goal is to be a professional baseball player growing up i identified with you as a baseball player during my <laughs> formative baseball years high school and college you were out in oakland at the time but you were the player that I felt I played like. I was a free swinger. I was an athlete rather than like, you know, you would think about like Ichiro with technician of the game where you were like the wild man, always sliding head first. Your helmet never stayed on when you played. Everything about it spoke to me. And yet here we are speaking for the first time and we're talking 154 mile weeks. If you had talked to me 15 years ago that, hey, you're going to chat with Eric Burns someday, and it's going to be about trying to run 100-mile weeks consistently, I would have laughed. So I don't want to shortcut the process here, but how in the world did you go from, what, 10? Was it 10 years in MLB? Yeah, 11 seasons of Major League Baseball. Being like the the torchbearer for the the people like me who are trying to be there next to now being like, yeah, I got up and hit my first eight at five in the morning and moved on. Like what in the world shifted? Cause baseball to ultra running just doesn't compute to most people. Uh, it really doesn't. There's so few guys that have actually made the transition. And I think I was like anybody when I got done playing, I was in search of what's next. That's usually the golf course. Mm-hmm. And it was the first yeah. day. And I went out to the golf course and was with some buddies and they're like, yo man, you know, how about you come out and play some beer league softball with us? <laughs> Is that typical? I don't think that's really typical either. It's more typical than ultra running would be, but <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go. I, I went out, I played for the Dutch goose, which is like 
the spot that we all used to go after little league games and just this iconic local bar pub in Menlo Park, California, and had a blast and actually played with a lot of the guys that I played literally with in high school baseball with. And then I went to a barbecue and it was like a junior high school reunion. I get it. Like, I didn't know they had these things, but I went to a small school and there was a group of probably like 10, 15 kids that, that got together. We weren't kids anymore, but we we're all adults. And I, I went to this thing and there was three people that were there that were triathletes. And it was Erica Ray, Lauren Ray, and this guy, Kevin Cuomo's, we call him Chops. And they were telling me how they're going down to do a triathlon in Pebble Beach, like that next weekend. And they're like, why don't, why don't you come with us? I'm like, triathlon? Like, no, I, 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 you know, it sounds fascinating. And I've always loved triathlon. I used to watch the Ironman World Championships with my dad every single year. And I remember one of my first memories of life was Julie Moss crawling across the finish line. And I do, I did say that I'm like, one day I, I, I want to do that. Like that. Yeah. That that's, that's fascinating to me. Was this your first year out of the MLB? You're talking like first beer league softball, this conversation comes up or is that down the road? This is like the day after MLB was a beer league softball. Okay. Then so right away. Golf. The day after, golf, beer league softball. That caught a bunch of attention. I hit a freaking gigantic tank that went viral. Like, and I was still getting paid by the Diamondbacks to play beer league softball. So that was a, uh, you know, sort of interesting element to all of things. And, but I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. I was as cool, whatever. Now, you know, through all this, I also did know that I want to be a broadcaster. I, when I was a kid, you asked me, like, what do you want to do with your life? Like, like I want to play professional sports and I want to commentate on professional sports. And it, I wasn't specific to baseball. It, like, didn't matter to me. I was an athlete. I just, I loved it. I love sports. I love, you know, talking about it, debating it, whatever fun, pertinent topics were, you know, the lead story. It was like, I, I grew up listening to sports talk radio. And so I, I, I end up, getting convinced by them to go down there and, and, and do this triathlon. Now I'd like, I, the one thing I gotta make sure that would actually be dangerous is that I, I gotta make sure I don't drown in the water. And I, I wasn't a swimmer. Now I I'd surfed my entire life and I, I was comfortable in the water, but there's a big difference between surfing and swimming, uh, huge. And one you're attached to a, a you know, seven foot board that's keeping you afloat and the other you're not. And you're just in there by yourself and, you know, my freestyle is like, yeah, I could, I could do it. But at the same time, like, you know, it's a lot of swimming is about controlling your heart rate and knowing the pace and everything else. And so I just, I worked up to the point where I could do 500 yards, I, I think without stopping. But it, when I first started, it was like, I couldn't, I could go 25 yards without stopping. And I go down to Pebble Beach. I do the triathlon. I almost drowned in the water. I thought I was going to fucking die. I thought that was it. Was it the waves and not being able to see and the swallowing all the water and all that that got you? Totally calm. Like the way the waves weren't even big. It was totally calm. But it was the kelp. The kelp that kept like kind of dragging me down and, and they called it the kelp crawl. But I made it out. I, I hopped on a beach cruiser. This is the only bike I owned. 
and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm rolling, I'm rolling along. And then the girls started after us. And so pretty soon I'm getting passed by like 16 year old girls on the bike. Cause you could, they have their age on the, on the, on their calf. And then I come in, I run a couple miles and I finish and I got my butt kicked by all three of my friends. And I thanked them for the experience. I said, it was one of the coolest you know, things I've ever done. And I said, like, not one, not, none of you, not, you guys will never beat me again. It's on. And so from there it was signed up for another one. Uh, eventually met Frank soul who uh, became my triathlon coach for first it was basically swimming was really the important thing. Uh, and, th and then my triathlon coach. And so it's crazy. 11 months later after that, I did my first Ironman it was Ironman Arizona. And then, you know, over the course of, the next however many years, uh, you know, I knocked out 12 Ironmans. I was doing one or two a year and just not even thinking about it. And then that led to uh, the ultra running, which, you know, started like anything, right? Start with the 50K and then the 50K. I did the uh, way too cool 50K. And then that led to doing the Miwok 100. And then the Miwok 100, figure out, was a qualifier for Western States. And then that eventually led to led to doing Western States and, and going through that experience. And then that led to, okay, well, what's next? And then there was a triathlon across America that, uh, you know, we created and, you know, kind of combining everything that I love and also the cross country family adventure that I wanted to go on uh, with the kids when they were still young enough before sports and everything else took over. And then that led to uh, this crazy 24-hour world record speed golf uh, thing that had stood for 47 years. I'll admit I was, I was envious of this because I have this passion for wanting to chase obscure world records. And I had looked at the speed golf record, but Steve Scott, I don't know if you're aware of him, he was the U.S. mile record holder for years owned the speed golf world record. And so I looked at 24 and look who owns it. Eric Burns owns it. Yeah. The, the golf thing's interesting because you guys know, Carl, Carl Meltzer mm -hmm. had the 12 hour one. Carl. I wear his shoes every day. Seriously. Yeah. The speed goats, the Hoka's. Oh, oh yeah. They're great. Yep. Yeah. So, so Carl is a much better runner than I than I am. So, but he, he's also an 11, he's also an 11 handicap for what I heard. Oh, I didn't know that about him. I competed in the same event that he did. And this is how I got into it. It's like the, the guys who put on the event, they're like, look, dude, there's only so many of us that are ultra runners that, that can golf. And they asked me to come do this event. And I'm like, absolutely. Let's go. And I, as I'm training for the event, in my mind, it was like Carl had the record. It was 200 and maybe 30, 230 something holes. The 12 hour record. The 12 hour record. Yeah. And, and this is my first experience with it. So in my mind, I'm like, if I could get to 200, I'm, that's, that'd, that'd be a, a great feat. And so originally in my mind, I'm like, that's, that's what I want to shoot for. And then as I, I started playing, and I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the times. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, like I'm pretty good at this. I'm not, not great, but I'm pretty good. And I think I could get 200. And then I was training at uh, 
Sharon Heights one day, was a number 10 was on a Monday because it's really hard to train for these. You got to find a country club that's closed, basically, right? Or you got to go do it in the dark. And I duffed a shot on number 10. And it was like my fourth round of the day, and I was pissed off. And so I ran up to the ball with one hand. It was just like, whack. And I smoked it. And I stuck it about a foot from the pin from a hundred and something yards out with one hand. And then in my mind, I said, well, what if I don't have to stop? What if I can keep running and keep hitting the ball? Because it's not, it's not the number of strokes. So I played one more round that day and my normal average round for, for 18 holes was like 46 minutes. Mm-hmm. And and that that's like I was moving, I was going. It's, that's cruising. It's solid. Is that move something you could trademark, like the Happy Gilmore? It could be be like the Happy Burns. Is that a thing you could TM? I like it. Yeah, probably, probably not. Uh, the old burn, the old Burnsy approach, they call it. Yeah, I mean, for for those who you know continue with the speed off in the future, I it's I imagine like uh, we can call it whatever you want to call it, but. <laughs> Decades from now, there's going to be like seven people on this earth that are like, do you remember when Burns reinvented speed golf with one hand? There we go. And that, and that's, that's, that's the thing, because I'm, I'm real interested to see what other people could actually do with this. So my, my fastest round then in that last round of the day was 41 minutes. And I'm like, hmm. I just shaved five minutes off my round with with one little adjustment and, and, and not stopping. So I would tee off with two hands and then run with one. And it was that, 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 but you got, you have to, you have to keep control of the golf ball for non golfers. So they under, cause I'm guessing a lot of people don't golf. Go ahead. You golfed an 18 hole round in 41 minutes. How many, like how many miles was covered in that 41 minutes? Like five, four. Yeah. Tip- typically about four and a half to five. So, so you're running almost five miles in 40 minutes while playing golf with some sort of finesse. Yeah. I'd have to go back and look at the actual 12 hour, uh, record. So then I went out to, to do the, the thing. And then the guys were asking me how many you think you're going to play. And in my mind, I'm like, do you know, I think I could break this record, but I wouldn't tell anybody. Mm. And so I'm, I want to keep my mouth shut because it's, you know, to say that I could actually run with like a Carl or something is just, it's ridiculous. Um, but I, I kind of hinted, I'm like, I, I think like 200 plus, like no problem. All right. Strategy. What did you carry? One club. One club the whole yeah. time. Yeah. A, w- a woman's eight iron. A woman's eight. Mm-hmm. It's just easier to swing one handed, but closer yeah. to the ground. Uh, actually, you know what? The, I'm pretty sure that the for the 12 hour one I did with, I did with a, a man's eight and then the adjustment I made between the 12 and the 24 hours. I, I, I went with the woman's eight and graphite shaft, but we had a couple other clubs like nearby just in case it snapped. That was my biggest concern with the graphite mm-hmm. shaft. So on the 12 hour one, I went out there and just, just fucking sent it, man. And it was like, you know, from, from hole one, I, I'm, I was out to break that record and play the first hole, boom, tee off, you know, about 50 people standing around. And I think that was the most nerve wracking shot of the day, right? You're just teeing off for the first time. And I was the first guy going off. And then, you know, every minute they would just send the next guy, send the next guy, send the next guy. So it's my job to have to get out front and stay in front. Otherwise, 
I'm going to have these guys playing up my ass. So I tee off and everything's fine. And then I run up again, right? I have my whole strategy and, and, and I go balls in the middle of fairway right here. <laughs> I whipped it. And then it's like, I stop and I'm like, Oh no, I was all frazzled. I come back and I hit it. I said, okay, all right, now we're going, now we're going, now we're going. And then I, the rest of the day was, was kind of a blur. It was hot. It was like 85 degrees. And so I just, a lot of ice, my experience from, from the, the whole, you know, I mean, any just doing Western States, right. I, the neck wraps with the ice. So I mm. took a sanitary sock to stay cool. And then that was huge. It was just about, I'm a big guy, you know, hundred, I got 185 pounds to like typically is what I'd run at uh, doing the 22 miles a day. It's you know down, down to like 181. Um, but I have to stay cool. And, and, and if I can keep my body cool, I can, I can run a little bit. Like it's all right. So I just, I just went, 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 went and ended up playing 245 holes that day uh, to, to break the record. And then after the, the whole try across America thing uh, we did a big fundraiser for our let them play foundation, which is all about raising money for uh, youth sports and, and getting kids back outside, getting them playing uh, really focused on underprivileged kids that don't get the opportunity to you know play these travel sports or anything else and making sure that they have their, their, you know, rightful opportunity to, to continue to stay outside and play and get them off devices and everything. Uh, but, you know, once you do a triathlon across the country, you know, which included a, it was a seven, seven mile swim across San Francisco Bay, 2,400 mile bike to Chicago, and then 905 mile run to New York city. Uh, and like doing that, it's like, how are you going to top it? And so that's when the 24 hour world record thing came up. And there's a guy by the name of Ian Colston that held that record. He had it for 20 or excuse me, 47 years. And <clears throat> there has been several people that have tried to uh, take it down. Uh, what One guy I was communicating with and going back and forth with, uh, he's from Georgia. He had actually gone to the North Pole to try to break it and just so he could have the light for the 24 hours, oh. which is brilliant because, you know, when the, mm -hmm. when the sun goes down and the mountain lions come out. They got a course way up there? I just, they, they have to, obviously. Must, huh. so, I might have stuck to Alaska. <laughs> keep it there. All right, so I have two questions. I'm sure there's going to be more. But the planner side of me, I like to plan for events. It's half of why I run. But, A, switching to one hand, did that make the blistering issue way bigger? And then how did you fuel throughout there to, to keep moving? Blistering issue, never a problem. I, really? I don't even, I don't even think even after the 24 hour one, it, it, it was an issue. I, I just, I wore baseball batting gloves. Yeah. So, so that was, that, I think that was a big thing. Um, Franklin, <laughs> I actually got Franklin, the, a buddy of mine's an agent and he, he told Franklin about what I, what I was doing. And so then Franklin sent a bunch of gloves because I would wear through the gloves. Oh yeah. But so then it remembers it was two hands two hands and then i go from the two hands to the one hand after that and there was basically one hand to then when i got on the green it was two hands again uh with the putting did you putt lefty to use the back of the club or did you just putt regular because it didn't matter no i would i would putt regular and i would just i would just use the butt of the club okay right so just just i kind of do this i don't know what you call it the claw style with the with the putting right and then and then would just hit the butt of the club so yeah it, it was you know the the 24 hour 
I'm trying to, or excuse me, the 12 hour one, I'm trying to think of the mileage. I, I'm pretty sure it was like 60, 65 was the total mileage for the 12 hour world record. And then the 24 hour world record was 106. Wow. And spoiler, you yeah. got it. You went what, 400 and 420 holes somewhere around there? 420 holes. Yeah. I mean, I, it's the same sort of philosophy as I took with the 12 hour one where it's just like, I'm going to go and I, I'm not going to try to judge my speed or anything else. Um, if I, if I'm playing fast rounds early and I'm feeding off the adrenaline and, and I get way ahead, great. And my first round of the 24 hour day was, was aggressive. It was, it was 41 minutes. <laughs> did you keep heart rate data? Did you have like yeah. a monitor on? You did. What did that tell you? You guys, uh, yeah, you guys would laugh. I, I, I'll try to, I'll try to send it to you. But basically, I, it, it was living, living it like in in the one sixties for twenty four straight hours <laughs> <laughs> while playing golf. I can't imagine. <laughs> you started to downplay your running a little bit throughout this, but the gold standard for a hundred for people to be super proud other than just finishing is to crack 24 hours. And if you went yeah. 106 while playing golf, you can't be a bad runner. No, no. I mean, I, I went 22. I was 22 hours at Western States. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, right. I'm an okay ultra runner, but I'm not where those other guys are. I'm not a pro runner. Like these, these pros are finishing in 14 hours now. Like it's, you know, it, it's a, it's a totally different, it's a totally different ball game. Yeah. They, they'd tear their labrum playing golf for 24 hours though. True. And, and that's that's where I think there was this weird combination of being a ball sport athlete and a runner. Um, and then also the type of runner I am where I can go and I can keep fucking going. Mm-hmm. And it, it's my endurance is is solid. And, and I could I could I could find that level of intolerance that I can tolerate and I can, mm-hmm. I figure out a way to stay right there where I'm comfortably uncomfortable, if that makes any sense. So mm. between that and the fact that I obviously had an extended background in a hand-eye coordination ball sport, I think, I think help with that. I'm also convinced that if, I don't know, you give me, you know, Jim Walmsley for, uh, a couple weeks and let me teach him how to do the thing with mm-hmm. the golf, then he'll go out there and play 500 holes in his sleep. Well, that's always the thing, right? It's who shows up, who tries it, but you can't control who shows up. No, I mean, you know, what the, what's the motivation for those guys to do it? Like, you know, for me, it it's always, this is all fun for me. I mean, it's obviously I'm not doing, I'm not running for money. Uh, and I, you know, actually this sport and, you know, can end up, ends up costing you a lot of money, but that's it, it, uh, <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, yeah, but it, it it's ultimately about finding what's next and and finding what is what's going to motivate you to continue to put in the work, uh, continue to you know keep all the elements of of your life in check and and continue to keep going. So. I've just really enjoyed, you know, using running as a base. You could say all endurance sports because I've delved into the Spartan world that we talked about, you know, a little bit before. It was just one one ultra beast race, but 
I'm, I'm just fascinated with all of it. And, and I have a lot of respect for people that are willing to go out there uh, and, and step outside of their comfort zone and, and push limits. And that's, that's what motivates me in life is not only doing that for myself, but then ideally I like to think that along the way uh, I've been able to motivate some people to, you know, check into who they are and, and where they could be better. And then obviously to have them pass that message on, I mean, now we're all winning. Uh, that's, that's the, mm -hmm. I think the message of life we need to continue to spread. Can't fault that. You, you said something about, I'm a guy who can just, I can keep going and be uncomfortably comfortable, which we get as endurance athletes. But uh, that's coming from a fast twitch guy who can steal 50 bases a year in the MLB. It's a little contradictory, right? Like uh, that screams fast twitch. You're not stealing 50 bases without a little rubber bands in those legs, Eric. So I guess I'm wondering, like, we get a lot of athletes, especially in the OCR world, which come from ball sport backgrounds, come from other things, and then find this later in life. Um, but they're historically fast twitch athletes. Like, one, did you know, like, you had some sort of endurance that other guys didn't have in the league? And then two, like, what was that transition like? How did you become, even though, let's say you're not the fastest guy in the world by your proclamation, you're still pretty damn good, Eric. So, like, how's that happen? You know what? It was... When I was a kid, we had a PE coach. His name was Chris Miller. He's a former Marine Olympic marathoner. And every single day when we got to school, it's like zero period PE, one mile. That was the minimum. Then we had the mini, which was like 1.5 miles. And then we had the maxi, which is 2.4. And they all had like different loops around the school of the, you know, where we were. And I went to school in Portola Valley. It's a small town of, down the San Francisco peninsula. But it, it was like, even back then, like I fell in love with, with, with running. And I knew what it did for me in, in school wise to be able to concentrate. I grew up full blown ADHD. You know, when it, when they, this is like before Adderall and Ritalin. So this is, you know, 1980s, uh, early eighties and they prescribed coffee. And so it, I wasn't drinking coffee as coffee tasted like shit to me back then. So my solution was like, how, you know, how am I going to be able to focus through the course of the whole day? And so I, by doing, once I got to junior high and I think there were a couple other elements cause I knew I wanted to go to this, this private school to play sports. And I knew I was gonna have to get good grades and all this stuff. But that's what set me up. And, and that, that was where my mind, I knew, you know, would, once I would exercise and move and everything else, then I, my, my grades went through the roof. And so there was always this, this love for it. But then obviously I went to you know, high school, I played football, I played baseball. Then the baseball thing went to playing baseball in college and uh, end up getting drafted and I, you know, I signed to go through the minor leagues and actually you know, on the big leagues. And yeah, it, it's, it's a very, and baseball really is, is a fast twitch sport. Like it, it is, you know, it, the skill of hitting a baseball is one of the most complex things. And you can make an argument is the most complex thing in all the sports. Uh, but it, it just like anything, it's just like running a hundred miles. It's like, how do you, you know, if I, if, if you guys showed up in the big leagues today, 
and I put you guys in there and you guys see a hundred mile per hour fastball, you'd be like, what the fuck, man. Right. Yet, if you take one of these, you know, everyday major league baseball players right now, and you go throw them out on the Western States course. And you're like, I'll see you in Auburn from Squaw Valley. They're going to be, be like, what the fuck, man. <laughs> right. So it's, it's all, it's all relative, but with both of them, that's just about training. That's it. And when I play baseball, I train to be a baseball player. I, everything fast switch, everything, you know, as far as, you know, running wise, I was, I, ever since I was a kid, it was like, that was my thing. I was, I was a big, fast white guy and, and it was no problem. But I mean, when I talk about that, we're, right, we're talking about the 40, we're talking about the 60, we're talking about the hundred. We're not talking about like miles, but I knew in the back of my mind, like I liked miles. It's just, it didn't make sense. For me to run them. As a matter of fact, every single year, there are two things. Every, every single year, we would do one mile, just one mile as fast as you can for, as part of our training regimen. And then the other thing we would do is climb a mountain. And there's this mountain that's it's adjacent to Squaw. We used to call it Mount Shirley. I don't even know if it is Mount Shirley. I I still see it all the time. Uh, but we were snowshoe, you know, up this thing. And it, it was just you know, twenty five hundred, three thousand feet straight up. Just da da da. And I loved being out there. It was my favorite part of the training. And then the mile thing was, I mean, that was just always just a, just a lung buster and a, and a mind roller. Uh, but, you know, then when I got done and I started getting into, right, I did that first triathlon, I started getting into it. It was the, the biggest thing was is having to learn how to slow down. That was really difficult because, uh, you know, anyone could go out there and, and you know, full send the mile for uh, you know five minutes but it was a matter of having to pull back and you know what's going to happen when i try to run uh you know a marathon after being on a bike for 112 miles that that was the delicate balance and i think along the way i don't want to say i perfected it because there's no such thing but i i really got in tune with my body in, in what I was able to handle and, and, and what I wasn't able to handle. And uh, there were a couple experiences of going over the top and just blowing up. And, you know, that's, that's, but you, you know, it's a matter of, it's a matter of figuring out what, what it, what it, you are going to take and everyone's individual. So I don't, you know, everyone tries to give you the magic formula, dude, there is no magic formula. Uh, it, it's, it's each, each individual is, is totally unique. Uh, you have to know your strengths, know your weaknesses, know your signs uh, when when it's, you know, it's time to make an adjustment. You know, you got to know when when you can go and, and, and you have to know when you're going to have to throttle it back. But this has just been a, a process. I, geez, I mean, 10, 12 year process now of, of dialing that in. Prior to all this, I was a high school special ed teacher and coach. I coached across the spectrum the way you have to do at small high schools. But almost to a man and to a woman running was nature's cure to ADD and ADHD. Every sport, like we tried to get every person on my caseload into athletics because it gave the why for going into class each day and getting it done. But the highest rate of success we ever saw was with get out for track or cross country. There's something about that that speaks to that mind. Every day I tell my kids, right? When COVID hit, we started this thing and I created this daily hustle routine. My wife even had a board made of it. It was, 
it was it was 50. Uh, it started out with one mile. The first thing, first things first. And, and it's like, what impacted me so much as a kid? And then I always went back to that Chris Miller mile at Corbett Air School. And then from there, it's just movement through the course of the day. So literally, like I would have 50 push-ups, 50 sit-ups, the one mile, 50 push-ups, 50 sit-ups, uh, 50 dopamine jumps. So it's basically just getting up in the middle when we're sitting down doing the survey, just da, da, da. And I would do 10, 10, and I'll still do 10. I might in the middle of a podcast that I'm doing at eight in the morning, fire up and just hit 10 dopamine jumps. And immediately it releases dopamine just like it did. And then now I could sit back down, you stay focused, whatever it is. But I mean, movement, movement is everything. And, and we, we as human beings, we're, we're made to move. And that's why when I got done playing baseball and then started getting into the triathlon, everybody in my life just about was like, what the fuck are you doing? Why, why would you possibly do this? Like you just played 11 years of major league baseball. You know, you dealt with a hamstring injury towards the end of your career. You didn't say like, why would you possibly put yourself through it? And, you know, the answer to that is probably a little more complex than I can even explain. But number one, I, I think we need to find an outlet physically and psychologically. And a lot of times those are intertwined. But for me, psychologically, and having meaning and purpose in life, it was, boom, I, I immediately went into work as a broadcaster. I was hosting a radio show at KBR and started working for, it was ESPN and Fox Sports and then MLB Network. And like that totally fulfilled, right? And you know, now that's all put into no filter network. But physically, it's like, what are we gonna do to keep up with that? Uh, that that's that's the question. And for me, it, it's like it I, I used to think that oh, it was all about racing. I love racing and, and I think racing racing is awesome. But I've also learned along the way like uh, racing is not everything either and it, and it doesn't have to it doesn't have to i don't have to have something on the calendar people you know would say that and i would say that too that oh i, I keep you know I gotta, I gotta have this on the calendar because this is my next event or this or that where now it's like nah i i'm kind of finding the joy in just doing what I do and, and ha I'm doing it with a passion, doing it with a purpose, doing it with a plan. But I don't, I also don't think that, uh, you know, racing is the end all be all. And then especially when you do a couple of the events yourself and, and whether it was a try across America or for the 12 hour speed golf world record or the 24 hour speed golf world record uh, for these 22 mile daily hustle challenge, you know, whatever that is, like, I, I think the most important thing is is just being able to have something have something there and and you know what what is it that's going to motivate you to get to the next day and, and and continue to stay in the moment so yeah it's been i mean it's been it's been a wild journey man really really fun i think that most people if you've never played baseball have no clue about the importance the true importance of hips and most people who have never run run or raced have no clue how important hips are to racing 
Do you think that there's any magic secret sauce there in you transitioning over well and having good staying power and running from the years you spent being a hip-based athlete to being endurance athlete, which like if you break down through the hip girdle area, you're screwed. Hmm. Yeah, I just think it's, it goes back to the core, right? And and just keeping that core strong. And I, there's been times where I've dealt with little issues in the endurance world. The baseball world's the problem with the baseball world that like you can't. It's really hard to play through shit. They're really difficult. Where if something happens because you're going, it's just crap. It's so combustible. So when I had a, I had a twinge in a hamstring that I kept trying to play through, play through, play through, play through. And then eventually uh, it, it came off the bone. Where hmm. in the endurance world, the only thing that I've ever, knock on wood, like really dealt with is like a little bit of hip, hip inflammation. I, I would call it that, like, like, but it's, it's more of a cold injury where if, if I... If I sit down uh, and it, it next thing you know, I'd be like, oh man, I, you know, a, after a while or I'm lying in bed at night, but when I'm out running, it's fine. So I'm probably not the person, the best person to, to, to give you advice on this or, or give anybody advice on this, but <laughs> my solution to anything that I've dealt with since I've been in the endurance world is to just keep going. And you listen to your body, but when you get the blood flowing, if you think about the process of, of active recovery, well, look, so let's just say we go out, right? We have a tough race. And, and I just did the Castle Peak 100 in, was it in August? Just damn us a ball buster. So I, next day, right? I, I had, my hip was bothering me going into the race. I, and it was bothered because I, I would, I up my mile. I shouldn't have upped it. It was stupid. But I up my, I started up my mileage as as we got closer. And I was running seventy miles a week anyway. But all of a sudden I upped it. I, you know, I'm doing a hundred, and and then I'm trying to do this like, you know, short taper, which is like basically the week uh, of the race. And then I get in the race, and and when I went to the race, my hip was my hip was bothering me. And through the race, it was fine. It's fine. Like I. Felt it a few different times, but whatever. So obviously you go out, you're doing a lot of damage and uh, to your body. And, you know, next day, and trust me, like, I didn't want to get up. I didn't, I didn't want to move. It was just like, ah, and I, I just forced myself. I'm like, let's go. And, and I start moving. And, you know, really what happens, right? If you damage an area, like you have all the blood flow to the area, and then the blood becomes stagnant. And that's why we have all these compression things to move and circulate the blood and the stem and everything else. Uh, and so, you know, inflammations, that's the root of all evil. So it, the inflammation collapses, it's stagnant. And then we're like, oh, we need more rest. We need more rest. And I said, what, what you need to do is to fucking move. You need to get that blood flowing and, and, and get everything circulating throughout the body. And that was the approach I took with it. And that with uh, the magic man, Jared, who started local acupuncturist here in Truckee. And it was gone, gone. It, it was just like crazy. A lot of those endurance injuries are like a lot of bark and not much bite when it comes down to it. You got to experience. I mean, once in a while, one will get you. Don't get me wrong. But a lot of times I feel like that is the case. I am um, a question for you. Um, there's a documentary out about you called Diamond to the Rough. 
Um, now listen, I only watched the preview as I was doing my due diligent research, but it looks really well put together and it's about you transitioning from pro baseball into being an ultra runner. And now I want to go watch the whole thing after watching the three minute trailer. Cause it's, it got me. But, um, part of that was, uh, you know, a guy that was started his triathlon training on a beach cruiser suddenly has Lance Armstrong interviewing on his behalf in this documentary as he was like training with you. How does how does one pull that off, Eric? I've always had a fascination with that guy. Yeah, Lance is a, a different bird. He, <laughs> uh, he he was so incredibly supportive. I met him on a golf course playing golf with a buddy of mine, and I, immediately we hit it off. We both like to talk shit. We both like to gamble, uh, and he at the time was getting into ultra running, and so he was doing a race the next day uh just like a, a small local race in woodside and convinced me to come out there and do the race with him we bet a thousand bucks he had to give me i forget the the distance was like 22 23 miles something like that with some gnarly elevation but i made him give me i think we handicapped it out where he had to give me like 15 minutes and, <laughs> and, and nice bet yeah, but, you know, Lance, when he was running, he could really run. Well, and that kind of bet is right up his ego alley. Mm-hmm. 15 oh, minutes, I'm going to stalk you. Of course. And, and so uh, he takes off and, and, you know, we he ends up winning the race. And I, ended up, I think I was, I think it was like third. But I, 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 covered the, I covered the number. I want to say the number. I, I feel like it was 20 minutes because. It it took me, I came in three, it was like low threes, and, and but I covered, I, whatever the number was, I covered it, and it, not by much either, like, you know, like maybe, maybe it was, say he came in at three hours, I came in at 318, and I had to come in before 320, like we handicapped this thing right. You know, based on like, hey, man, you know, marathon times and, and, and this yeah. and this and to see where it was. And we were, both of us wanted a fair bet. So anyway, yeah, yeah, we became buddies. And you know what? We, we, we spent some long hours out on the trails and uh, he say whatever you want about, you know, Lance and I mean, the greatest cyclist who's ever lived. There, there's no there's no question about that. And then, you know, you back that up with obviously the controversy that's surrounding him. Um, I think he's probably made some choices in his life that he'd go back and and do things differently. Uh, I think the biggest thing is, you know, and I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say everything he did was completely defensible, but if you looked at the PEDs and what was going on in the cycling culture back then, I find it ironic that they had to go to like number 20, uh, or even later, I think even 32 that year. Yeah, was it 32 to find someone who wasn't tied to some kind of PEDs? So that that whole thing's bullshit. Uh, but I mean, wasn't the sport so infused at the time? I think isn't it like seven straight years? There's no technically no winner of the yeah. Tour de France because the sport was so infiltrated that you can't even declare a legal winner. Nah, yeah. nah, exactly. So you know that, but that wasn't that wasn't where Lance went wrong, right? Lance went on the attack because he felt he was on the attack, and so the only way he knew how to fight was to try to fight back, which ended up backfiring. Uh, 
against him. But, you know, the only, from Lance's perspective, and is probably, it'd be easy to do, I guess you could say, if, if you were in his position, you're fighting for more than yourself. And that, like, that's how you would justify it, right? Like, I mean, fuck, you know, I, I think Lance, Lance would tell you he's fucked up, right? Like, like Lance is a little, he's a little <laughs> twisted in the mind, but Lance was, was also, he was fighting for the protection of, of Livestrong and, and everything that was created. And, you know, that, that's a thing I, that hurt him. That's the thing that was, that was really, really tough for him is, is when they ousted him from that and this. He was in for a dime, in for a dollar at that point. I can't justify what he did, but he was pot committed. Pot committed. And he, more than any individual in the world, he's given more money to cancer research. So over a billion dollars. So again, you know, all the holier than thou people can go fuck themselves as far as I'm concerned. What, what have you given? What, 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 what impact have you made? Mm-hmm. And uh, not to say that Lance hasn't done anything wrong because he's done, he's done plenty wrong as of I, and you know, I'm sure you guys too, in your lives, you know, not like nothing's perfect, but, uh, or nobody's perfect, but. That's the intriguing part to all of this is that it's indefensible. A lot of the human interactions that occurred with that. But if it were a different industry rather than sports idol, it would have been forgotten the next week. If it was yeah. hedge fund, if it was, go, you know, if it yeah. was anything else, if it was business, it would have been that, well, that's business. But because we platform athletes, it was more personal to people. And it still is personal to some people. I have friends of mine that are cycling fans that still can't get past it, right? They feel like they've been duped. And it's like, wait a minute. What are you? What are you talking about? I got one buddy in particular. I'm like, dude, you, you, come on, bro. Seriously? And it's mm. like, oh, well, da, 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 da. it's just, I teach your own, and and you're never gonna make everybody happy, and not everyone's gonna, you know, I don't know, hop back on the the Lance train and everything else. But the guy's done a lot of good in his life, uh, and I think he's done some things that obviously are regrettable. But uh, the fact that he's a hard charger and, and continues to plug away and continues to positively impact a lot of lives in everything that he's doing now. Uh, I, I have a lot of respect for him tomorrow. Yeah. If you guys ran that race again, would the result be different? Oh yeah. I think I'd smoke him. You'd put him in the ground these days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he, he's not running as much anymore. We, we did a let the Leadville marathon together as, as like a group. And this is a couple of years ago. And he, he was, he was struggling, but he's back. He's back on the bike. He's back hammering. He does a couple. We're, we're trying to get him on no filter to to do some vir- his virtual sessions uh, live. So he does the virtual sessions with mm-hmm. the with the Swift, but I I want to get him live where he's pulling people in and out to get the ride with them. That that would that would be pretty cool. And then interact and they got the chat and everything. They they what what they're doing that we do is they have the Discord. And it's just. Eh. A little more complex. So I, we actually, I just, I met with him last last week, uh, mm. about doing that. So he seems like a candidate for endurance golf. Oh yeah, he'd slaughter it. He's a, he he you know when he puts his mind to something, he's he's all in, and and, and he could do, he could do you know, I'd say a lot of ways like whatever he wants to do. But I you know I think 
he's finding he has a he has a big fund now uh, that he's he's built out all on health sort of uh, businesses and, and stuff, and he's really really into that and you know into the we do stuff. He, he's got the the forward podcast and uh, the podcast that he does with uh, was it George? Let's say Hincappy. Yeah, Hincappy. There's a few parallels with how you two are wired is what I'm kind of seeing. I I think I bring up the the documentary. I know you're on a a schedule here too, so I want to respect that. Um, But uh, seeing you training with him was like, oh, this guy's taking this pretty dang seriously. And then that led me to wonder, like this ultra stuff, maybe more triathlons. Is this is this like Eric Burns moving forward? Is this now like your thing, so to speak? And you don't see that changing or do you have other tricks up your sleeve that you're looking towards on the personal pursuit front? I think that the one thing that I say, you know, I, I wrote a book, right? it's called the effortless life lessons for me, human crash test dummy. And when I wrote the book in the opening chapter, I'm like, look, like this is a mentality. This is a lifestyle. And when I say that, I don't say it lightly because that led to the creation of the Daily Hustle and these daily emails that go out five days a week, which led to the Daily Hustle podcast and now it being on no filter and live and interactive, you know, the whole, the whole thing. Uh, it's important that this isn't a, a one-time thing, right? Like this is literally like a lifestyle. So once you get into the endurance lifestyle, you're in it, at least in my, my opinion. Like the, I, I guess it'd be the difference between someone who goes on a diet as opposed to somebody is like, no, nah, man, I'm like, I'm just going to, this is, this is how I'm going to eat. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sustainable. Diets are not sustainable. So quick hits for one-time races. And, you know, that's why with, you know, an Ironman, you get a lot of people that are one and done. And I'm sure same thing with marathons and ultras and everything else. And then you have the people that are in it for life. And the way I look at it, as soon as I got in the endurance world, I knew that this is a mentality. This is a lifestyle. This is who I am. Now, there's other things that I'm going to do with my life. There's things that take priority. I coach three baseball teams uh, called Let Them Play. Right? They're all um, – uh, it's so much fun. And I, I've, I've totally – and I never thought I would coach baseball at least – you know, at the youth level. And then, you know, the kids as, as my youngest, you know, started, started aging up a little bit. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, like this is not, you know, I was always going to coach him. There wasn't any question about that, but then it was a matter of like, after watching what I watched, uh, in my opinion, I'm would be irresponsible if I just continue to sit on the other side of the fence and not offer the knowledge that I had to share uh, with these kids. Now, then a whole different subject, but the Savannah Bananas are the best way I could put it. It's like the baseball's version of the Globetrotters. And I'm going to manage a, a seven-week world tour coming up uh, starting in March. And that obviously is going to take priority. Uh, no Filter Network is you know taking priority in 15 different fronts uh, in my life since since we launched that. So there's, there's other things that are always sort of intertwined. Now that said, I think 
all of us as human beings, if we truly want to quote unquote optimize our lives, the question becomes, how do we work everything into one? How do we, how do we, how do we mold this and, you know, incorporate, incorporate, uh, the, the, the coaching, the baseball, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the endurance, with still being a, a, a present husband and, and father, uh, and, and still being able to, to run a business and, and, you know, have the maximum impact there. I, I think there's, there's a balancing act, but the one thing that I, I noticed is that it's, if, if so long as we stay where our feet are, right feel the air pass through our nostrils, stay in the moment. We can, we all got a lot of shit going on. It's, I, I realize I'm not unique, but in order to stay in that moment and, all, and always be there, it, it, it is possible to, 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 to blend this. And I, I think I'm still learning, you know, how to do that. But I, I I'll tell you guys, uh, so long as I have the ability to put one foot in front of the other, uh, endurance sports will be a, a gigantic part of everything that I do. You said races have gotten to the point where they don't need to be the carrot for you anymore, but at the same time, you can't really take the fight out of the dog. So what is left on your almost like wacky to-do list? And maybe it's normal, but I mean, even Western state, like these aren't normal things. So akin to, to the golf record or Western states or Whatever that is, do you have some things left that are still big to do's out there on your list? There's things that I've thought about that I haven't done, and I times vehicles are. Kurt Gibson signed that on a bat to me way back when, when I was playing for the A's, and he was coaching in Detroit. I times vehicle, I times vehicles are. And it's image times vividness equals reality. The more vividly you can imagine something, the more likely it is to become your reality. So any event, anything, whatever it is in our lives, it, it, it's born with a thought. And then the question becomes, how much energy do we want to put into that thought in order to make it happen? So there's things that have become thoughts in my life. The grand slam of ultra running. That, that's been a thought. That's been there. I've said when I get back into Western States, the issue is so gosh damn hard to get into that race. This year, the funny thing is, I did Castle Peak to qualify for Western States. You know, I qualified for Western States, and then I didn't put my name in the lottery. I forgot to sign up. So <laughs> now that, that you did the hard part. Yeah, I did the hard part, and I did it in a, in a rush to to make sure I did. But that would have been Western States would have been difficult. I. For, for me to do just based on everything that's going on with, with coaching the baseball team, uh, you know, whether it's the bananas or our let them play squad or whatever, it, it would have, I, I would have figured out a way to do it. Uh, don't get me wrong. But I've also said like the next time I get in Western States, I want I, I think it would be awesome to do the grand slam, right? The four, what are the oldest hundred mile races in the United States that uh, a buddy of mine did it too. Uh, this, one of my mentors into the ultra running world, this guy, Franz Dill. And so that, that's, that's been something that I've thought about. I've definitely thought about doing something along the lines uh, of more within the United States. I mean, I don't know if it's 50K in 50 states in 50 days or, you know, what, whatever it is. I, I think there's a, there's, a bunch, there's a bunch of these sort of, you know, whacked out things that 
you know, we all could come up with. And it doesn't have to be so extreme either, right? And I, I yeah, racing's not racing is not everything. I still enjoy racing though, and and I I still want to get out there and 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 I'm sure you know at, at some point, yeah, at the very least, I'll I'll find another Western States qualifier, uh, you know, this summer. But yeah, I you know again, I I mean ultimately this this is this is about pushing the envelope. I mean, we hopped in that Spartan race. The Ultra Beast, you know, Which one? my boy Kowalski, it's Squaw Valley. It oh. was gnarly. Oh. It was 30 yeah. miles. What, you know, what year? 60 obstacles. 2019? We were out there. Oh, okay. That was the snow year. Yeah, we yeah, were out fuck there. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How'd it go? It was awesome. I DNF the Ultra that year. Did you get in the water? So they pulled everyone off the course because of the lightning. Yeah, the Ultra Beast. And then did I get in the water? Yeah, I got in the water. There was it, we, Good. it was third. The water was like like 30, 30, whatever degrees. I mean, dude, yeah, Joe's trying to kill people out there, man. I, Nothing I, would I, make him happier. <laughs> I mean, dude, it is. I, that was that was gnarly. I mean, to get in that water, at, 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 you know, it, it's thirty degrees, and it was just and, and so we didn't. I didn't have any change of clothes or nothing. This wasn't. It was just like here we go. We're doing it. You just got to run that off afterwards. You get out and you move that body like a like your life depends on it. Kirk, you, you you drilled it, man. You just can't stop moving. You can't stop moving. And actually, you 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 pick up the pace at that point. So yeah, we were crushing it. We had we were on pace to do a faster second lap hmm. than we were to do the first, and literally got pulled off the course with four miles to go. Just that last hill section. That we were gonna go back up, um, and there was light. I was so pissed. I was yeah. so pissed because we were cruising. Like we were gonna, we, and we were gonna have a, a, like a good result too. Um, I believe it. And in my, I had my right hand man with me. My boy Kowalski it was just. We've done crazy endurance events together. It's just like we had the right guy by the side. We were fucking flying. We were flying past people. We we're crushing it. The second time around the obstacles, we knew how to how to navigate through them. We knew which ones we could do and which ones we couldn't. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you'd go straight to the burpee station when you couldn't. And so you, I, I wouldn't have to waste my time. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a blast, but you know, again, like the lightning came, got pulled off the course. And next thing you know, two hours later, the whole fucking, you know, Squaw Valley things like inundated with people. And then they're like, all right, we'll go back out and do a couple laps around the parking lot. And we'll call it a day. It was like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. So anyway, but yeah, it was a great experience on the left. And then I did enough of it, right? Where they, you know, they, they shortened it to 30 miles as opposed to 32 or whatever it was. But it, it, I got a good enough taste of it to be like, yeah, man, that is, that's the real deal. I was curious how you did on the obstacles. They should have done, I don't know if you've watched some of the Spartan rewinds, but who is it that did the Spartan race that they outlined? Randy Moss. Randy Moss. Yeah. And they showed him in Tahoe, just sucking his thumb, warming up in a pickup truck, wanting to quit. How come nobody followed you around with the damn camera? Gave people something to inspire. That would have been a better watch. Went to the Bracken. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I had the uh, same celebrity status that one Randy Moss did right after he got done playing. But I got kudos for Randy Moss just trying it. Like, oh, yeah. but that's typical. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's what you're going to see out of fast twitch athletes. It's they're not they're not built for this. And, and they're not—they're not built for the elements, really, either. 
and it's it takes a it takes a different bird to be able to you know get out there and and learn how to embrace the suck and learn how to deal with the adversity and the pain and it's yeah. it, it's great if you could do it uh and, and I, I i but I'll also sit here and say that it's it's not for everybody well we talk about it a lot but fast twitch or ball sport athletes are used to when those warning bells go off the end is nigh like when you feel that in your body you know you're tapped or in the ultra, that warning bell might go off two hours in, and two hours later, you might be moving faster. It's it's hard to even recognize that those are fake body shutdown signs. Like a Randy Moss might have thought, okay, I'm about to die, and not realize that, yeah, get moving another half hour, you might be feeling great. That's the craziest thing about endurance sports, is that, you know, I, I first experienced that in Ironman, where it's your mile 13, and your pace all of a sudden is a minute and a half slower than it was when you started. And you're just like, I'm done. I like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And then next, thing you know, a quick little refuel, you get a Coke in you, get, you know, Gatorade, some salt, and you're feeling fresh and could end up, you know, negative splitting that, you know, last, X amount of miles that you have left, but you, and you never thought that that was even possible. So that's where you figure out what, what you have in you. I experienced that at, at B walk. I experienced that at Western States where there's an element or a time period, an element that I thought it was over and yeah. ended up just slaughtering, slaughtering the back half. It's funny. Mm. You get a paper cut. You're like, ah, oh, I can't use this finger. You smash your thumb with a hammer and then quick get a paper cut and the paper cut's not there anymore. You know, sometimes those real deep lows <laughs> mean that later on I'm going to feel great, even though it's probably awful. That's the truth. It's the truth. And I, I firmly believe a lot of it's right here. It's just, it's, it's learning how to, mm -hmm. to deal with the ups and the downs, highs, lows, understanding that that's part of it. And you know, life's not supposed to be this one euphoric, happy journey. It, the, like, we as human beings uh, talk about the process a lot, but it's, all, it's, it's also about the problem solving. So we're all going to run into problems every single day. And we, what we really live for is the process of solving that problem. And it's very relevant in whatever we do in life, but especially in the endurance world where this is where I am. This is where I want to be. How, how, how am I going to get there? What are the steps that I'm going to have to take to get me to where I need to be to, to be successful in, in your own mind? Because obviously success is very subjective anyway. And there's no, you know, our definition of success is it's all, it's all internal. Uh, none, none, none of it matters unless you're going to completely become dependent on outsider's perspective with, I, I don't have any interest in doing. So, yeah. That's what the endurance training really is about, isn't it? It's all about making yourself better. It always bleeds into other areas of your life positively, at least I think. Um, as we work on wrapping this up, I just want, uh, I want you to tell people where they can, you know, find all of your outlets. Cause I know you've got with the daily hustle podcast, 
which you upload every single day, which blows my mind being a podcast host myself. Um, you have the Savannah Bananas, which was a whole rabbit hole I got down while I was uh, researching you of your parody videos and all that stuff. It's just such a good follow. Even if you're not a bas- or a baseball player, like it is amusing and your skits and your, your Instagram's a good follow. I feel like it's going to be one of those things where we don't know what you're going to do next and in a year something's going to pop up where you've done something crazy. So I think we'll have to hold on. But point being is where, where, where can people all see what you're doing? Uh, yeah, I just say start at No Filter Network. And it's nofilter.net. Every single morning at 8 a.m., come join us. We sit here, bullshit, just like this. And some days we talk about the news and the weather. And some days we get super deep about life optimization sort of stuff. And uh, we really just kind of keep it lighthearted most of the time. Uh, I think most importantly, uh, every day, you know, we come with a message and it keeps all of us on point. We've established a really cool community of people that come on and uh, interact with us every morning via the chat. There's a knock button where literally can let you in and, and, you know, next, you know, we're, we're all, we're all part of the conversation. And other than that, I mean, it's, you know, the basic social media stuff, but yeah, the Savannah banana thing is going to be interesting. So if you're in the South, you have an opportunity to go watch the bananas during this quote unquote seven city world tour, uh, which happens to be all in the South with the exception of Kansas city, which is our last stop in May. Uh, that starts March 10th and 11th, I believe in Savannah. I, I think 75% of the dates are already sold out. So it's a super hot ticket in town. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. They have, they have a, a tremendous following, but for good reason, we're making baseball fun again. We've had guys, you know, they're guys on stilts that, that, that play. They have different rules where if you hit a, a foul ball and someone in the stands catches it, you're out. Um, there's, there's no walks. They're called sprints. So if it's a walk, then the, the guy can start sprinting around the bases and then all, all eight guys in the field have to touch it before they can get you out. So a lot of times you'll, a walk will turn into a, a double or a triple, maybe even a home run. Uh, so that, so that, that's a fun thing, but yeah, I mean, I got a new book coming out too. I I wrote the effort list and, and this really just an extension of the effort list. It's called the daily hustle 222. Uh, and, and then it, unfiltered life guidance from a human crash test dummy. Now the human crash test dummy thing, that was my nickname when I played given to me by Peter Gammons, who's this legendary hall of fame sports writer. And that was just from, uh, running into walls and, and everything else. And just obviously I would, you know, seemed willing to sacrifice my body for the greater well-being. Uh, and that's, that's where that whole thing came from. But that's it guys. I mean, yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you having me on. It's, it's, it's freaking awesome. And as far as everyone who's listening, like this, one thing I'd say is just keep fucking running. Simple as that. Roll the music there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Right on dudes. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Cool. Thanks, Eric.